This is Ozarks at Large for Friday, February 26, 2024. I'm Kyle Kellams. Today, real conversation about period products. Menstruators know that we have this issue, um, but through research, we saw the decision makers didn't know we had this problem or um, just didn't care. Plus, the width and breadth of Gothic. It has massive... um, capital in the history of technology, it just, even in the origins of the 12th century, is such a signature form and it's easy to export. And Sona defies expectations. We're everybody's orchestra, right? We're not just the, you know, new music buffs orchestra. We're not just the, uh, you know, the, the we love our Bach and Beethoven crowd. A preview of tomorrow night's concert after the news from NPR. Sona, the Symphony of Northwest Arkansas, continues its main stage season Saturday, February 17th at Walton Arts Center with Defying Expectations, showcasing three works that push beyond barriers from Darius Mio's eclectic style to Louise Farang's bold third symphony and Max Brooks' acclaimed violin concerto featuring Sona concertmaster Winona Fifield. Tickets at sonamusic.org. It is Friday, February 16th, 2024, and this is Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellams. Later today, studying Gothic influences means architecture, but also literature and music and more. We'll talk with the architect and historian leading a University of Arkansas Honors College seminar titled Gothic in about 10 minutes. And our regular Friday guest, Michael Tilley, isn't with us today, but he will help us start our show next Friday. The Medium in downtown Springdale hosts music, theater, art installations, and artist talks. But the team there stresses they desire to be something beyond just an arts venue. Next month, they'll host a community discussion about menstrual equity. The March 12th event will feature seven panelists and be an exercise to dismantle barriers and stigma surrounding menstruation. Amber Paradin, the arts and community manager for The Medium, says the menstrual equity panel is in line with The Medium's objectives. Part of our mission here at The Medium is to just be a radically inclusive space for artists. And our hope is that we can simplify the process for artists as they come in so that they can like fully express themselves in a comfortable space. And so we're trying to remove barriers as much as we can. And free period products is one of those barriers that uh, is really easy for us to, to accommodate the community that we serve. Um, And so having a discussion like this just further amplifies that mission and um, extends that layer of care to the community that we're serving here. The Medium, in conjunction with The Kind Project, began offering free period products in the lobby, lounge, and bathrooms last year. Kind Project has also worked with the Fayetteville Public Library in making period products available for free there. It developed out of Hello Departures, a design space prioritizing community founded and still directed by Dina Benbrahim. Benbrahim says there's still plenty of work to be done to make period products more readily available. She says many machines distributing the free products are converted coin-operated devices that can still appear to charge money and cause confusion. And she says it's not always clear what products the machines distribute. They're not necessarily organic um, products that are sustainable for the planet and for the well-being of the menstruators. Um, And on top of all that, um, 
you know, some of these dispensers are operated by multiple entities. It's not just one company that uh, sourced them, which means that uh, you can find a different uh, maintenance of these uh, period dispensers. So some are rusty, some are dusty, some, you know, like not great. She says she's worked with University of Arkansas students to improve the design and the messaging. April Roy, the founder and CEO of FemPAC, will also be part of next month's menstrual equity panel. We like to say we take the oops out of unexpected periods by providing accessible period care at your fingertips. She says FemPAC's objective is to improve women's health through products, education, and community. And the company's creation inspired by a girl's trip to Los Angeles with a friend. Where she unfortunately got her period unexpectedly. Um, you know, we were near a Walgreens and CVS, rushed over to find something, and they didn't have anything that was easy and convenient so she can feel safe on her trip back to New York. Um, and so I did a bunch of research, and it was, oh, why aren't there products for us, because women know, menstruators know that we have this issue. Um, but through research, we saw the decision makers didn't know we had this problem or um, just didn't care. The FemPak product comes with several items, including tampon, pad, ibuprofen, even a mini organic chocolate bar. April says she's working with the Arkansas Period Poverty Project to obtain enough signatures to place a ballot issue in front of Arkansas voters to remove taxes on feminine hygiene products. Both April and Dita Benbrahim say opportunities like the panel next month can do a great deal to raise awareness. And Benbrahim says such an event can educate in many different ways. One important point for us is that menstruators include cisgender women, transgender men, non-binary and intersex people. And it is also important to note that not all individuals who fit into these groups are menstruating bodies and menstruate. Um, and so even if you know, uh, companies or organizations can find themselves uh, distributing free period products. They're often not including uh, men's bathrooms in this equation. And so um, there is a way more awareness that needs to be created. And there is a way more work that needs to happen um, for, you know, all these um for, for these products to be accessible for all menstruators. And that's one of the uh, axes that we advocate for with the KIND project. April Roy says when she looks out into the audience at the medium next month, she hopes to see one particular demographic listening. Dads. I think a lot of people don't realize how many dads have daughters and actually have these conversations with their daughters or don't know how to have the conversation and would love to attend an event like this um, just so that they can learn more. And so that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that more men will show up. I will say um, in spaces when it comes to buyer meetings, like I literally was in Denver last week um, and 95% male buyers uh, were there. And so talking about my product and educating them on why um, and also getting feedback from who they are from a standpoint of being dads and understanding why um, our product is needed. I hope to see more men um, involved in these conversations. So that's what I look forward to. I'm hoping a bunch of men show up. (laughs) 
The menstrual equity panel at the medium is scheduled for Tuesday night, March 12th, from 6 until 8 p.m. Other panelists scheduled to participate include representatives from Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art, the Arkansas Period Poverty Project, and the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences. The medium is located in downtown Springdale. Admission for the panel, free, though registration for headcount purposes is encouraged. You can learn more about the event and registration at themedium.art. This is Ozarks at Large. The Elizabeth Richardson Center and KUAF Public Radio are teaming up for a book drive this month. Here's Jen Adair with the ERC. For the past 60 years, we've been up here helping those with intellectual disabilities um, become more independent. Their intermediate care facilities have a new library for their clients, and it needs to be filled with books. For children, young adults, we would love to have what you don't need anymore. Or if you are in the mood, donate something perfectly new. KUAF is acting as a drop-off spot for this book drive. Here's the thing, we've only received two books so far. We're counting on the KUAF community to come through like you always do to help out the Elizabeth Richardson Center and their book drive. Again, you can drop off here at 9 South School in Fayetteville or at 3917 South Old Missouri Road in Springdale. For more, ERCINC.org. They're looking for the community's help. Make your voice matter. This is Ozarks at Large. For some cyclists, the road to gold in Paris will run through northwest Arkansas this April. USA Cycling, along with the Ozark Foundation, will host a multi-day cross-country mountain biking event in Fayetteville. Ozarks at Large's Jack Travis has more. USA Cycling has announced that the 2024 Cross-Country Mountain Bike National Series will host a qualifying event in Fayetteville this spring. The organization is partnering with the Ozark Foundation to present the U.S. Pro Cup from April 3rd through the 7th. It will take place at Centennial Park, which has risen to fame as the home for the 2022 UCI Cyclocross World Championship. Cross-country mountain biking is an endurance-style challenge rather than a high-speed, gravity-centered race. Ozarkan topography plays well into this style of competition since we don't have large mountains to hurdle down. Centennial Park houses a purpose-built Olympic-style cross-country mountain bike course. Ozark Foundation Senior Director of Operations, Brandon Pack, says the course was an investment in the future of cycling in Northwest Arkansas. And because of that investment that's been made in that park, allows events like the U.S. Pro Cup to find a home right here in Northwest Arkansas. And so U.S. Pro Cup is four days of racing over five days. It includes everything from UCI elite level Olympic style cross country mountain bike racing, which is, um, we're talking world champions, Olympians, national champions that will all be here with us in Northwest Arkansas that week, as well as the opportunity for amateurs, for me and you, to go out there and also have our own cross country mountain bike experience as part of that week long event. Fayetteville's U.S. Pro Cup will be one of the last qualifying competitions for athletes looking to compete in cross-country mountain biking during this summer's Olympic Games. Additionally, the Pro Cup will be one of the only four stops in the country for the UCI Cross-Country Olympics Junior Series, providing riders aged 17 through 18 a chance to possibly compete for a gold medal. What's more, the event will also offer races that amateurs can compete in alongside professional athletes. Pack says, with the wide range of competition in mind, spectators should also be excited 
at the end of the day, Centennial Park, whether you're up there to watch world-class cyclocross racing or world-class mountain bike racing, it was designed with spectators in mind. The venue itself allows family and friends to really move around and you can get out on course and watch your friends or family as they are racing. Or at the same time, if you're there to watch the pros, you can watch some of the top athletes in the sport of cycling as they'll be here in Fayetteville, Northwest Arkansas that weekend. It's your chance to be right up close, right next to the course as future Olympians fly by on their way to Paris this summer. You can visit our website, ozarksatlarge.com, for more information about the Pro Cup, USA Cycling, and the Ozark Foundation. From the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio One, I'm Jack Travis. Happy February Friday. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellums. Gothic architecture endures. Its influence spans more than a millennium, and it can be found on college campuses where people worship, even in amusement parks. But the Gothic style also has influence art, music, culture. Next spring, the University of Arkansas Honors College will offer a seminar simply titled Gothic, led by Professors Linda Kuhn, the Honors College Dean and a historian, and Kim Sexton from the School of Architecture. There will also be a public preview lecture Thursday evening at 5.15 on the U of A campus. Both professors were in the Anthony and Susan Hoy News studio last week. Kim Sexton says the first meeting for students next fall will start in Paris in the 12th century. Because Gothic does have a birthplace, unlike a lot of other architectural styles, which kind of bubble up in different locations at um, slightly different times. So Gothic definitely has uh, a beginning. Um, But one of the aims of the seminar is really to broaden out from that base in stone and uh, stained glass to um, the uh, Gothic as a cultural phenomenon. Um, So... Linda, where else will we be going? (laughs) We are going to take an incredible trek. A lot of it has to do with Europe, um, into the crusading world of the Holy Land, and then we're going to swing back around to the Americas, and we're going to look at Gothic as a kind of imperial style. And I think its commodity has to do with, even in context of the Middle Ages, it's a confluence of philosophical style, an artistic style, It's a royal monarchical style. It has massive um, capital in the history of technology. It just, even in the origins of the 12th century, is such a signature form, and it's easy to export. Um, I think you see in the uh, more modern period as it goes into a literary form, (laughs) into a definitely a different type of artistic form, and it ends up framing evolutionary theories of science. A lot of us conjure up an image of Gothic. It's a cathedral. It's got spires. It's bold. It's dramatic. It's flying buttresses. That's Gothic, I think, to at least the layperson. Are we in a good place to start? I think that's correct. I think it's what most people um, imagine and what elicits all the awes as soon as one of these buildings is put up on a screen to people to almost kind of jump in and inhabit it. Uh, but even initially, it's, uh, it's a style that changes its appearance depending on the kind of country where it's located. So that, like, for example, flying buttresses are rare to see in England. These are churches aren't all that tall, although they appear to be very vertical and skyward reaching. 
Um, so people would often say that organic is a, orga- I'm sorry, that Gothic is an organic style because of that, because it kind of takes in the, uh, the uh, spirit and the mood and the mi- mindset of the people where uh, it is formed. Um, initially, uh, Europeans understood that it came from France because one of the early names for Gothic was Opus Francigenum, which means French work. And it was a German saying that. So it was, uh, he's aware of where the style is coming from and aware that it's an import. Um, and they could imitate it in other places. Um, the big stained glass in, uh, um, walls and things that are typical, but they could also do different things. And that's one of the things we're going to explore. Like, for example, in Venice, which is a city kind of famous for reaching its apogee as a republic in the Gothic period, its Gothic is heavily, heavily infused with Eastern motifs right, from its exposure to different trading routes. Right? So I think that's an important thing to keep in mind. Um, there is one image, but it's many more things. You mentioned that it it moves into art, into literature. What are some examples? Actually, one of the things that we're going to work on very closely in this signature seminar is its relationship to medieval medicine. And I actually think that we should consider strongly publishing an article based on this. The 13th century actually is the great century of medieval autopsies. There's a, I know. There's a sort of stereotype in Western history that that was illicit for a long time. You know, Leonardo da Vinci was hiding mm-hmm. <laughs> and going and cutting in cadavers. It's not the case. University of Bologna was actually performing autopsy. autopsies in the 13th century. They were studying the skeletal form, the muscles of human beings. All of this sort of intersects with the cult of saints. At the same time, we have body part reliquaries where you can even peer into the midsection of women so you can sort of get a sense of the relic inside. And they had hand reliquaries and head reliquaries. They're starting to look more seriously at the human body. I think Sexton brilliantly translates that to the actual skeleton and muscles of these Gothic churches. They are very different from their Romanesque predecessors, which are much more massive, less articulated um, to the degree that Gothic has a kind of corporeal form, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, not so much that you obviously you don't see literal muscle and tendon, but there is a relationship between the human form perhaps and the- I, I she has convinced me and it's not something you immediately would the stereotype in theology is that the Gothic is its verticality is about the infinite, the unseen. This class argues quite the opposite. It's the materiality of the building. It's the ability of the stained glass to flood colors, almost like celestial lights, onto stone. That is, it's sensory. It isn't just this abstracted infinity on earth. Is that fair, Sexton? Yes, yeah, that, that is fair. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think we could say that you know, several historians do compare um, Gothic architecture to skeletons because it is mostly a, a framework of masonry that can be filled with either colored glass or just very thin stone. You don't have to use uh, heavy load-bearing masonry to hold up 
hold up the vaults. So yeah, it is it is skeletal and comparable to steel skyscrapers of the modern era, which are steel frames with glass curtains. Um, so people have often drawn the comparison between Gothic architecture and uh, modern architecture, um, you know, going back to the early 1900s, really. This is, of course, another, it's an honors college seminar, so it's multidisciplinary. And you don't know yet who will be in it. But I'm guessing it's more than architecture. It's more than whatever. And and how do you together think about that, that you may have a liberal arts major, a business major, all sorts? Oh, that's the best case scenario. <laughs> I love, I taught a course on the uh, Bible in the Honors College, and I had a student from supply chain management who had the most brilliant take on the Gospels and how they were marketing the figure of Jesus to shifting audiences. I tried to get him to go to divinity school, <laughs> and he thought about it, yeah. and he was amazing. But he made me think about the text I know well in a totally different way. So I I hope, and we usually do get business, engineering would be terrific in this class, obviously, mm-hmm. mathematics, philosophy. We will get historians. We will get art historians. But we want, we want to have it really. <laughs> and we have a really great medical humanities program, which I think you know. I think this is a terrific class for medical humanities. Gothic remains part of our lives. I mean, for something that started in the 12th century, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's still very much part of who we are. Why? Well, I think for the universities, and of course the University of Arkansas adopted a kind of, I call it an Ozark <laughs> Gothic style, which I like because it's not over-articulated. It has a sort of austerity, which is I actually like. And several buildings, including the building the Honors College is in, which was finished in 1940, adopted that. And I think sometimes the idea is that that frames a very exclusive (laughs) elite practice of a university that has a negative connotation historically that perhaps it's excluding of people, right? Because it's got the Oxbridge exclusivity of the medieval university. Um, But I do think universities see it as a signifier that this is a community set apart for a sort of academic purpose. That there is a... I don't know, a goal to be achieved, that we're trying to live up to a standard here. And I do find students love it. They love the Gothic style. Gothic campuses, of which there are many in this country, they, they, I mean, they're great for admissions. Like, I think it's Duke campus is... Crazy Gothic. Yeah, like, if not exclusively, (laughs) primarily. And then what's interesting about Duke is that the East Campus emulates the University of Virginia. Mm -hmm. And Thomas Jefferson was violently anti-Gothic because he saw it as a marker of royalty. So it's a king's style. And as a proper Enlightenment philosopher, he was rebelling against that. So he chose Enlightenment models, which were very much different for the architecture of the University of Virginia. And then you'll see the Gothic West Campus of Duke is strangely in tension mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> with the Eastern later, Campus. Right? It is much later. Yeah. yeah. So examples of Gothic on the University of Arkansas campus, can you think of any others that are in our listening area in this region? Um, well, let's see, the cathedral in Little Rock. Mm. So that's um, probably the oldest Gothic building in Arkansas. It's, it's Gothic Revival. Right. 
but um, I I don't know. I need to visit it, first of all, but I also I need to bring it to the attention of students. But you could also say that right here in Northwest Arkansas that um, Thorn Crown is essentially a Gothic building with the reverse engineered with the support being held in from the inside rather than using any kind of buttresses from the outside. But in a sense, the effect is very similar, but it's related to nature, um, which is another aspect, right, for students who might be in fields like geology um, that uh, one, I think one of uh, the aspects I found most exciting the last time that we taught this wonderful seminar was our Gothic and Nature um, unit, uh, where we looked at the, um, the, the Rocky Mountains, the national parks in the West, all of that kind of highly romanticized um, view of nature, which had roots back in Germany at the time. So um, I think that, you know, especially also with today's environmental concerns, that that is like a, an aspect that I'd like to develop further. Well, you have the public preview lecture. That's where the rest of us who aren't honor students will get a chance to experience this. Do you know how you're going to narrow that down yet? We usually sort of set the overall view of the class, and then we take them, we, we have this divided into units. So Gothic and medicine, Gothic imperialism, Gothic and nature. And so we will each, we have this dog and pony show. We'll shift back and forth. But typically my job is to frame the history. I have the, um, what's the word? The trudgy job, I yes. guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get Boring to part. frame so that the architecture is the star, which that's fine with me. That's what we do as historians. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you both for coming in. Oh, thank you. Pleasure. Professors Linda Kuhn and Kim Sexton will lead the University of Arkansas Honors College Seminar Gothic next fall. They'll also offer a free public preview lecture Thursday evening beginning at 515 in Gearhart Hall on the University of Arkansas campus. They talked with me last week at the Carver Center for Public Radio. This is Ozarks at Large. It's time to think about what to do for the next several days. We always ask Becca Martin-Brown, arts and entertainment editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, to help guide us. And she's agreed to do that again this Friday, haven't you, Becca? I have, and we're going to go strictly with things that will make us happy. Okay. I Happy is one of my favorite emotions. So, on Saturday, if you're up here on this side of the mountain, get in the car. If you're on the south side of the mountain, get in the car <laughs> and head for the Skokos Performing Arts Center in Alma. Okay. There are shows at 4 and 7, and the show is called Dinosaur World Live. Now, I know that there have been, you know, these dinosaur shows that come to places that have these big animatronic dinosaurs. That's not quite what's happening here. Not quite it. These are puppets, and they're Huge puppets. Okay. They're not quite life-size puppets, but they're huge puppets with a storyline about a girl who is the daughter of paleontologists and grew up surrounded by dinosaurs on a faraway island, and now apparently she's traveling with them, and some of them are happier about that than others. Even the way that the puppets are made, we're talking about like 
hauling 55 pounds of puppet around and a 32-foot-long T-Rex. And tickets start at $20. Cocospac.org. If you love dance, there's a chance on Saturday to see four new works by four regional choreographers at Dance Chance 3.2, which is hosted by the Northwest Arkansas Movement Hub, happens at the Medium in downtown Springdale. And these will be works in progress. So things no one has seen in performance before. This starts at 6 on Saturday at the Medium and tickets are $10. 2 o'clock on Saturday at the Jones Center in Springdale. It's Fam Jam Saturday. Mm -hmm. And they have a touring theater troupe from Belfast, Northern Ireland, presenting the University of Wonder and Imagination. Yes, and this is a show that can go any number of ways. There's audience participation with children in attendance, and they decide which characters as professors show up and what they talk about. And it's $10. And then you can go over to Fort Smith Little Theater Saturday night and see your good man, Charlie Brown, the musical. This is the first weekend. This is the first weekend. Showtime is 7.30. Tickets are $15. How can that not make you happy? Right. Maybe you could go down early Saturday morning and go to the bakery district. Oh, that's always a good idea. Absolutely. And between 10 and noon on Saturday, you could bring the books you want to swap to the River Valley Book Swap at Bookish at the bakery district. And then at 2, you can come back for shopping because you get to pick one for everyone you brought. So you bring books that you've read that you're ready to move out of your house. If you brought three, you can then pick three new ones to take with you home. Right. That's a good deal. It's a party, so you do need a ticket. Right. And the tickets start at $15 at Eventbrite. Mm -hmm. But how fun is that? Where can we find the list of things to make us happy this weekend? You can find it in many places, actually. You can find it in today's Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette on the Friday abbreviated WhatsApp page. You can find it online at nwaonline.com. You can find it in the replica edition at nwaonline.com. And you can find all of next week's events on Sunday in WhatsApp, found in all those same places. And we've got some good ones this weekend. I'm not going to tell you. I'm just going to say you need to check. We will talk about more things to do next Friday. Becca Martin-Brown is the arts and entertainment editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Thank you, Becca. Thanks, Kyle. Edswick has more than 40 years in Hollywood, and boy, does he have some stories. Like the time Julia Roberts dropped out of Shakespeare in Love just as they were about to film. Then one day, after a certain process, she was gone. She just split. Writer and director Ed Zwick on his memoir, Hits, Flops, and Other Illusions, Saturday on Weekend Edition from NPR News. Weekend Edition Saturday, tomorrow morning, beginning at 7. This is Ozarks at Large. Ryan Versi, KUAF's underwriting director, is with me in the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio. What does that mean, Ryan? You know, um, usually there's no place I'd rather be other than sitting here with you about to give away something cool. All right. We're going to give away tickets to Company? Company, the five-time Tony Award-winning musical, is showing at the Walton Art Center. And I'm going to send two of our listeners, Anne Millett of Springdale. Congratulations, Congratulations to Anne. But I've also got Annabella Steelman. Ah, 
excellent. Annabelle Steelman, sorry. Annabelle Steelman, yeah. Of Fayetteville. Yeah, it was kind of cool. They, they both Anna and Annabelle, yeah, yeah. I wanted to see if I could throw one of them off. And be, oh, wait. No, oh, it is me. Gotcha. So. so they each get two tickets? They each get a pair. That's correct. Do we know what night? Is that up to them? Do they work it that out? It will be Walt? the opening night, which is Tuesday. Tuesday. All right. You got plans for Tuesday. Indeed. Thank you, Ryan. Absolutely. There will be another giveaway coming very shortly if it's not already posted now. Be on the lookout. For the Central Arkansas Library System, I'm Mark Chris with an Encyclopedia of Arkansas Minute. A former slave became one of the most famous lawmen in U.S. history. Bass Reeves was born in July 1838 and during the Civil War escaped his enslavers. It is believed he fought for the Union. He settled in Van Buren after the war and served as a guide for U.S. Marshals going into the Indian Territory. He was hired as a commissioned deputy U.S. Marshal in 1875, becoming one of the first black federal lawmen west of the Mississippi River. Standing 6 feet 2 and weighing 180, Reeves reportedly could beat any two men and could shoot both pistols and rifles accurately from either hand. He was feared by criminals, many of whom gave themselves up on learning he was on their trail, and once captured 19 horse thieves and brought them to Fort Smith. He later served federal courts in Texas and Indian Territory. When Oklahoma gained statehood, he became a policeman in Muskogee. Though he died in 1910, he has recently been remembered in movies, TV shows, novels, and comic books. To learn more, visit EncyclopediaOfArkansas.net. It's time to review a new movie with Courtney Lanning, our film critic. Courtney, welcome. Kyle, thank you for having me. All right, uh, we dip back into a genre that has been dominant at the box office over the last decade and a half, or maybe even longer, that's superheroes. This one, a Sony film that takes a character from part of the Marvel Universe they have rights to, the Spider-Man Universe, it's called Madam Web. Is it is it good enough to 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 snare us in? I'm going to be very frank with you, Kyle. Oh, okay. Uh, this is not a well-made film. Uh, this is this is kind of like Morbius. Mm. Uh, it's a throwback to early 2000s comic book movies where they made little sense and the effects were disappointing. The writing wasn't there, um, but you know what? In spite of all that. I kind of had fun watching it. Okay, so it's not well made. It The plot doesn't make sense. The effects, which is sort of the bread and butter of some of these types of movies, not good. But you had fun? I did. So Madam Web is Sony's, what, I want to say third attempt at taking a Spider-Man character and putting them in a movie without Spider-Man. Right. Um, just due to the fact that Marvel and Sony have such a complicated relationship with Spider-Man uh, that, you know, the character, for whatever reason, can't be used in these movies. Uh, we saw this with Venom 1 and 2, which turned out to be pretty good fun. We saw this with Morbius, which was lambasted by critics. Yes. But again, I had fun. And this is kind of a similar tale. Uh it's got like a 14% on Rotten Tomatoes. Ever since the first trailer came out, this movie has been crucified. Rightfully so. <laughs> and I, I still enjoyed it. It's so bad, it's good. Okay, is, I was going to ask, did you have fun? Because there were still moments in there that, that as, a, as a movie watcher, you enjoyed? Or was it more of a Mystery Science Theater 3000 sort of fun? Maybe a blend of the two, because okay. I don't like giving you easy answers, Kyle. <laughs> no, you do um, not. The basic premise of Madam Web is there's an ambulance driver who's played by Dakota Johnson, 
named Cassie Webb. And she has a near-death experience and then from there on can start seeing bits and pieces of the future. She comes into contact with three teens, uh, all girls who will grow up to be spider superheroes of their own, and learns that their lives are in danger because a man is trying to kill the three of them. And the movie is just about her trying to protect them from that man. Uh, the man wants to kill these three teens because he knows they will grow up to be adult superheroes that will stop him one day. And he doesn't want that. It's it's corny and it's messy. The editing is rough in some patches. But Dakota Johnson does her best with what she's given. And you know what? I really like Adam Scott's role. I, I'm a big Parks and Rec fan. I like Ben Wyatt. He's another EMT driver in this movie and uh, i'm not going to spoil what role he plays but i feel like just him being there and him being ben wyatt from parks and rec just kind of bumped it up a bit for me okay so when you were describing the plot it's people who know the future some people who don't i mean that gets confusing just a little bit um you mentioned it's corny as comic books themselves can be when you have a character named Last name Webb, who then kind of becomes this Spider-Man related character. Right. So I am going to guess, despite the fun you had, folks who are um, suspicious of superhero related movies to begin with need to stay clear. Yeah, this is not one that I'm going to tell anyone. You've got to see this because you don't. Um, This is one that most folks will look at. And from the trailer, just recognize right away, yeah, this one's not for me. (laughs) And that's fine. Uh, I understand I am in a lonely camp with this movie. I was in a lonely camp with Morbius. Okay. Still had fun. Okay. Uh, Dakota Johnson, whom I like, uh, is she? You mentioned that you liked Adam Scott. What about Dakota Johnson? She does the best she can in the circumstances (laughs) she's giving. She is handcuffed by the writing of this movie, which is nonsensical by, for at least a third of the film. Um, she, but she does her best. Uh, you will recall that we reviewed a movie called Cha-Cha Real Smooth yeah. a couple years ago, and she played one of the lead roles in that, and I, I was very fond of her in that movie. Uh, I was very fond of her here. She just, you know, she was put in a straight jacket by this writing, and there's just not a lot she could do with it. All right, let me confess something that I think about this movie, because it's another female-led superhero movie, and we know that those don't usually do well at the box office, no matter the quality. The Marvels was something with a high bar set, but something of a disappointment with its box office. I feel like I want to drop money on this just to support the idea of female-led fantasy and superhero movies. An admirable goal. I don't know how much how much change that will make in the end, but an admirable goal nonetheless. All right. Uh, when you and I talk, and the full review of Madam Web uh, will be found at OzarksAtLarge.com and KUAF.com. When we talk next week, it's another female-led movie. This one from a director who has, you know, a, a pretty good resume. Right. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, the Coen brothers, or one of the Coen brothers, has a new movie coming out. Uh, these are the directors who did True Grit, the 2010 reboot, which was superior to the original, I will say. Yep. Um, and the new movie coming out is called Drive Away Dolls, and it 
looks to be sort of a road trip buddy movie that uh, has some crime heist elements mixed in. So I'm, I'm excited to see this one. Yeah, when you think that when they were together, Joel and Ethan Cohen have done Raising Arizona and Barton Fink and The Big Lebowski. The know. Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Right. I mean, they've so this is one of the two. I honestly can't tell you whether it's Joel or Ethan right now. I'm sure in a week's time we'll know. But I'm anxious and eager to hear this review. Me too. We'll talk about it next week. Courtney Lanning, thank you so much. Kyle, thanks for having me. This is Ozarks at Large. It is Friday, February 16th, 2024. Paul Haas, what's happening on Saturday, February 17th, 2024? Well, the Symphony of Northwest Arkansas has a fantastic concert on display. Called Defying Expectations. Yeah, we're going to defy some expectations. That's kind of what you like to do anyway. Well, yeah. I mean, look, we we, we have... Uh, we have a complex job, let's 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 say. So at the symphony, we we we're everybody's orchestra, right? We're not just the you know new music buffs orchestra. We're not just the uh, you know the the we love our Bach and Beethoven crowd either. We we got to be out there for right. everyone, uh, and so. I guess my, my, my recipe for success there is to offer a little bit of, you know, the tried and true and familiar, and then also to, you know, give you the best music you've never heard. I like that. And that is a great way to sum up this concert tomorrow night. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think we defy expectations on, our, on a number of fronts in this concert. First and foremost, I guess I would say, is this idea that... Uh, you know, all great music written in the the 19th century was written by white males. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, so uh, this this piece by Louise Farronc, uh, this uh, her symphony in G minor. This is this is fantastic. It's like uh, next level Schubert, and yet just no one's ever heard of her. And 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 it's bizarre to me that that somehow this music died on the vine and suddenly had to be resuscitated a few years back. Like, what is that? Because in in her contemporary times, she was widely known, especially as a performer, as a, as a pianist. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and so, in fact, she she was offered a professorship at uh, at the Conservatoire in Paris. And they tried. They tried to give her a low salary for that job. They tried to, you know, treat her quote unquote like a woman right. at that at that at that time. And and she used her clout as a performer to say, "No, you're going to give me what what the boys are getting." Good. And so it was uh, kind of a, a trailblazer in her own right, uh, sort of a, a across the board. But then you know, then her music got quashed for whatever reason 
she is her music that we're going to hear tomorrow night is the is not the only music of French origin. Well, on the program, I assume you're talking about yes, yeah, yeah. yes, <laughs> because yes. no, no, no. There's plenty of French music out there. Yes, yeah, no. Uh, so Mio, uh, the Ox on the Roof, uh, the hilariously titled piece, uh, you know, uh, Le Boeuf sur le Toit is uh this is it's like uh you need an excuse for a party no you don't need an excuse for a party it's a musical party mishmash of different styles and sort of this absurdist, yeah, mashup of of great kind of, I don't know, Hispanic and French and little German and Russian music th- thrown in there to boot. It's, it's a, a smorgasbord. I was unfamiliar with him yeah. until I started getting ready for this. And then I saw his pupils... Included. I'm glad you prepared for this, yes. by the way. It's just... <laughs> His pupils included Burt Bacharach, Stephen Reich, Philip Glass. I mean... Yeah, I know. He's, he, he's the real deal. Dave Brubeck. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and when you hear this piece, you'll, you'll see why. I mean, he's the master of everything. He's um, just so prolific in his in his writing but just his his um his absorption of different styles and mannerisms and affects and emotions it's just it's, he's he's uh he's a treasure he really is and and, and this piece you're you're never going to hear it you're never right. i i dare you to go to every concert across america you're just not going to hear this piece um, but I don't know why. It is literally a party. Well, it's and, so much fun. And isn't this how sometimes pieces get into the sort of performance vernacular? I mean, someone performs it and heard it and tells somebody else. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. But I mean, here we are a century right. later. Like you'd think it 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 would have made the rounds. But I mean, this is the kind of piece where you know you'll there, there's this melody going along and it's really fun. I, um, chicka, chicka, um, chicka, in, in the in in the strings, back up right, and then all of a sudden, the the repeat of that section comes, and you've got it, the same thing happening in three different keys simultaneously, and you're like, what is going I on? I love this. But it's so much fun. It's like uh, it's as if Charles Ives took acid you know (laughs) it's just i mean it's out there it's so much fun you know at the beginning of the show we always have like a little pull quote that's going to be the one it's like charles ives took acid but on acid right but uh, right and finally the third piece oh yeah so uh, our concert master winona fifield we are so lucky to have her. Anyway, so she's performing a solo turn with us doing the uh, the Brooks G minor violin concerto. And that, you know, in some ways that's defying expectations of a different kind. Like, well, you thought you know what a violin could do. Well, here's what it really can do, <laughs> right. right? You know, both both because it's a, this hyper-virtuosic piece and also because Winona is Winona, 
right? So just, you know, this, this concert's going to be so much fun. It, so- it sounds like yeah. you can't wait to be there. Oh, no. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's fitting that the Faronk is at the end. Because, you know, when this piece is over, as an audience member, you're just you're gonna have the same feeling and thought that I had the first time I heard this piece, which is, what? <laughs> this exists, and I didn't know about yeah. it. Yeah. Right. It's just, I mean, it gives me gives me shivers to to think about it. I'm just it's just the. Uh, the honor, the privilege it is to be able to bring this music kind of back to life. You know, we're not the first, but we're one of the first. It's at the Walton Art Center. Yeah. Tomorrow night. Baton goes up at 7. Uh, seven thirty. Seven thirty. Yeah, I get. I give a pre-concert. That's talk, right. That's right. A creative conversation at uh, six thirty. It is right. And Winona will be there with me, excellent, uh, speaking about the concerto and her her life and just sort of what it's like to be her. And then one more concert before the end of the main stage season. Yeah, you may have heard of this this little ditty, <laughs> Beethoven Ninth. Yeah, it's it's a thing. We're gonna it, do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's try to get back together then on the eve or so. Yeah, I would love well. to do that. Yeah. All right. Paul Haas, thank you so much. Thanks, Kyle. In the background is a group called the Jazz Worms doing a tune entitled Wheaties. And I'm Robert Ginsburg, your host for Shades of Jazz. This week on the show, we'll hear more music from the Worms, as well as Lauren White, Randy Napoleon, Zach Rich, and much more. Tune in to Shades of Jazz right here on KUAF every Friday and Saturday. It's time for another Friday favorite. We often ask our guests for recommendations, recommendations that are related to the conversations we have for Ozarks at Large. Well, at least... Somewhat related, as is the case with this week's favorite. Three actors from the theater company Cahoots, based in Belfast, Northern Ireland, will be at the Jones Center in Springdale tomorrow to present their show, The University of Wonder and Imagination. It's part of the Jones Center's Fam Jam Saturday. Our discussion of the interactive high-tech show was part of the Wednesday Ozarks at Large. During our conversation, when prompted, two of the actors, who are from Derry, Northern Ireland, Gary Crossan and Katrina McFeely, shared their recommendations for what to do if you find yourself in Derry. Oh. oh I, I mean, I do have, literally, because when I get asked about Derry, and I love Derry so much, I actually have a, a PDF on my phone saved that I've typed up, and I just send that to people. So if you want to send me your email address, I'll send you. But things that are included in that is, you know... The Der- first thing people always say is walk the Derry walls. The Derry walls. The, the city itself is encompassed by a, a mile-long... Uh, wall, like a huge big wall that was used during a siege of Derry back in the 1600s. 
Uh, it's uh, an incredible walk. You get to see the majority of like the city center from there. And it's a beautiful, beautiful walk. It's called the Maiden City because that wall, walled city part of Derry is actually the only city in the whole of Europe that was never broken into by an exterior force. It's never been broken into. So it's the Maiden City. So it's a really interesting, really like strong European historical site. And then um, I, there's really beautiful small museums in Derry City. Uh, there's the Siege Museum. There's the Museum of Free Derry. There's Free Derry Corner as well, which is very famous. Um, the people in Derry are so friendly. Um, like the food and drink scene in Derry. Derry is a city that is really prides itself on independent businesses. So nearly every shop, restaurant, bar, cafe you will go into will be locally owned and they're always excited to have people from out of town because people always go to Belfast, <laughs> which is the capital. So when people come to Derry, we get really excited. Um, there's a beautiful new bridge as well that was built. Well, it's not really new now. It's about 10 years old um, called the John Hume Peace Bridge, which is named after John Hume, a politician, very famous man from Derry City. Um, and it links the city side and the water side. And you can walk from the city over this beautiful bridge. And that's now in an area called Ebrington. And it's now thriving with like, new cafes and pubs and there's always live music happening there and stuff so yeah i mean just being in the city katrina mcfeely and gary crossan both of Derry, are two of the three actors from the belfast-based theater company cahoots who will present the university of wonder and imagination at the jones center in springdale tomorrow afternoon at two as part of the fam jam saturday you can hear our full conversation with all three actors about the show that first aired on our wednesday edition of ozarks at large at OzarksAtLarge.com. Ozarks at Large is a production of 91.3 KUAF Fayetteville. KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Contributors to our show today included Jack Travis, Becca Martin-Brown, features editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, our film critic Courtney Lanning, and Mark Chris from the Central Arkansas Library System. Our community engagement manager at KUAF is Jasper Logan. Our theme is titled First Hurrah, written and performed by Daryl Sean. We have a new week of daily programs for you beginning Monday. Our podcast version of the show can be found where you find other podcasts. Thanks for being here. I'm Kyle Kellums. Have a great weekend. Black-owned Northwest Arkansas presents the Black-Owned Business Expo, February 24th, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Fayetteville Town Center. Guests are invited to come discover and shop with black business owners and talent from across the region. Details at blackownednwa.org or eventbrite.com.